The doors were locked where the disciples were. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. We use doors every day, but that doesn't keep them from being a bit strange. And locked doors are stranger still. Did the disciples really think that those locked doors would protect them? Perhaps those who had killed Jesus would knock, shake the doors a bit, and seeing that they were locked, just go away? Doors are a bit strange, and locked doors are stranger still. Given our present state of quarantine, most people who hear this sermon will be hearing it indoors and probably behind locked doors, which as an, as an aside is a rather strange way of speaking, if not thinking, isn't it? That we would say that we are either indoors or outdoors. Of course, doors and locked doors are so common to our experience, we rarely consider their strangeness or the strange liturgy we engage in every time we open and shut and enter and exit and lock and unlock and sometimes go back to check and make sure it's locked again and again and again. The strange ritual of checking our doors at night before bed is for some more regular than prayer, raising the question of what it is that actually keeps us safe. All the more true if you know anything about those doors or locked doors and the complete and utter illusion of safety that they provide. Doors and locked doors give us a sense of security, but it's mostly just a sense. Were there doors or locked doors in Eden? That depends perhaps on one, how one defines doors and locked doors. I suppose one could say that we did find a door, and a locked door at that, and yet we managed to open it and walk through, and we've been looking for the door back ever since. Perhaps you're thinking it's not so much doors that are strange, but rather your pastor's thoughts about doors that are strange. But here I would defer to the ancients who much better understood the strangeness of doors, even assigning different gods to different doorways and formalizing their liturgy of opening and shutting and entering and exiting. For example, in Roman mythology, the two-headed Janus was thought to be the god of doorways and beginnings, a point that Augustine takes up in Book 7 of his De Civitate Dei. In more recent culture, there are, of course, many allusions to the strangeness of doors and the profundity of doors. In Alice in Wonderland, for example, Alice finds herself in a hallway lined with locked doors, which evokes an almost sickening feeling. C.S. Lewis has famously said that the door to hell is locked not from the outside, but from those who are on the inside. The author of the, uh, of Brave New World, Aldous Huxley, published a book called The Doors of Perception, the title itself an homage to William Blake's pseudo-theology. From the title of Huxley's book came the name of the famous band, The Doors. The same year that Huxley published Doors, Tolkien published The Lord of the Rings, the opening chapter of which has Bilbo singing, 
the road goes ever on and on down from the door where it began. And of course, if you're a fan of the movies, then you just heard that song in the voice of Gandalf. And it's this same song that Bilbo takes up again near the end of the book as he draws ever nearer to death. The road goes ever on and on out from the door where it began. The door, at least in some sense, comes to represent beginning and end, and yet not without the possibility of new beginnings and endings. It comes to represent both familiarity and home, and also new adventure and what's unknown. A favorite of mine are lyrics from a band I listened to in college, which means they're considered to be oldies now. The lyrics are these. There are sliding doors, and there are secret doors. There are doors that lock and doors that don't. There are doors that let you in and out but never open. And there are trap doors that you can't come back from. How profoundly true. Of course, all of this attention paid to the strangeness of doors and doors that lock finds its telos not in our illusions of safety as we sit in our locked homes, not in our psychological metaphors or passing philosophies, not in our liturgies to the God of this door or that. In fact, the telos comes not even in finding and worshiping one who claims to be the God of all doors. No, the telos comes in an even greater strangeness still and the one who says, ego I me, hey thura. I am, I am, the door, the door itself, the way back and the way forward, the door that leads back to fellowship with God and the door that leads forward through this world and this life into what is beyond the beginning and the end, and no doubt also the end and the beginning as well. All that a door most truly is, he is. I am the door, Jesus says. And it is John who records this. And John who also records, as we heard just a moment ago, not once but twice, that the disciples were behind locked doors. They were behind locked doors for fear of the Jews, that the same folks who had put Jesus to death would come and put them to death. The disciples locked their doors under these rather unique circumstances. But we lock our doors under quote-unquote normal circumstances, locking the door out of fear, period, or out of prudence, which in this case is just another word for the same thing. Has the world not become more wicked, more hostile, and more lawless? That it's become foolish not to lock our doors. The scriptures certainly don't indicate that it's an overabundance of morality that coincides with the last days. No, that would be lawlessness. And so, too, it's certainly not too much love for God's law 
that marks the depravity of the last days. No, it's the utter rejection of God's law, even by those calling themselves Christian, those who will say unto him, Lord, Lord. The disciples were behind locked doors on a Sunday, and that Sunday also happened to be the very first Easter. As they sat behind those locked doors, the door appeared to them and opened himself to them. Peace be with you, he said. And he showed them where the nails had pierced his hands and where the spear had pierced his side. These are not only proofs that it is truly he, that he has been bodily resurrected and raised from the dead. These wounds that he shows are also the proofs of his profound love. They not only prove that it is truly he, but that he is the one who has loved us even unto death. Peace be with you, he says again. And it is this word of peace that, above all else, we need to hear as we sit behind our locked doors. We need peace, and not as the world gives. Not peace that can be taken away by the latest headline. Not peace that can be stripped from us by the chances and changes of this life. We need a peace that is deeper still. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, Jesus said. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Let not your hearts be troubled, he says, for that is indeed the nature of our hearts, to be troubled, and to be troubled especially about those things that we can't even control. But all things are in the control of our loving God and Father. All things are in his hands. And he makes his heart toward us known in Jesus. Where the word of Jesus is, there Jesus is. And so whether you are here in this sanctuary or at home watching or listening online, it is our Lord Jesus who comes to you and reveals the Father's heart to you so that whatever chances and changes you are experiencing, whatever emotions and thoughts you're experiencing, and however deep it is that these things feel, there is peace for you that is deeper still. It is peace that comes from the mouth of Jesus and enters your heart. Peace from the one who has not only overcome the world, but even death itself. Even behind your locked doors, this door, the door, comes and opens himself to you and gives you the peace that flows from his cross, the peace that flows from his wounds, the peace that flows from his resurrection, the peace that means your sins are forgiven and God is at peace with you. The peace that means this life is not all there is. There is a door that opens to infinitely more, a door to eternity and an eternity of God's blessing. And this door has been opened to you. 
Jesus is risen and he is this door. The strangest and most wonderful of all doors. He opens himself to us and breathes upon his church and fills us with his Holy Spirit, even now. Yes, specifically for now and for this moment in which we find ourselves. This doesn't mean that we'll be without hardships, but it does in, indeed mean that we're going to make it through. The change in the disciples is palpable. Upon seeing Jesus risen from the dead, upon receiving this word of peace from him, the fearful disciples become fearless. They begin to see all the temporal suffering of this world for what all temporal suffering really is, temporary. They begin to lose their fear of suffering and their fear of death, seeing that Jesus has shown them a better way, seeing that a door out of their deepest fears has been opened to them. Jesus is risen, and that means that everything has changed. We must obey God and not men, for we now have an inheritance and a future that is, in the words of Peter, unperishable undefiled and unfading, unlike anything that this world has to offer. We are indeed, for a time, as the scriptures say, grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of our faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As John will show us in the book of Revelation, what this world values most of all isn't worth much there. Gold, after all, is used to pave the streets. But faith, faith that leads us to those streets, is priceless and truly precious in God's sight. Just as gold is purified and made better and more precious by passing through fire, so faith is purified and made better and more precious by passing through fiery trials in this life. In the midst of the locked room with its locked doors comes the door, Christ the crucified, Christ the risen. And from him comes new understanding and blessings so powerful that fearful disciples become fearless disciples. Afflicted, yes, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed always carrying in our bodies the death of Jesus so that in our bodies the life of Jesus might also be manifested. The doors were locked where the disciples were. I am the door, Jesus says. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.
Please rise and confess with me the Apostles' Creed.